0: episode 61. PHP is great on Saturday March 216th, 2020 or I mean Saturday October 3rd, 2020. And now it's Jekyll.
1: This episode of Podkit is hosted by Brandon Johnson, Brian Mitchell and Ryan Rempersad. This episode has show notes at thenexus.tv/pk61.
2: It's perfect.
1: Happy October
2: hey
0: it's October already
2: it's October 3rd can you believe that seems that way I mean it's it's only been a month since we did this last
0: yeah March has been a long year that's for sure
2: I think we're are we March
1: 217th today I believe
2: I don't I don't know like how do, how do I
0: find out I've got I've got a method you've got a method let's see if we agree covidstandardtime.com it's Saturday March 216th today According to Wolfram Alpha, it is also March 216th.
2: Incredible.
1: It, um, it's starting to feel like March again. It's getting, it's a little bit cooler. There's a frost warning, or frost advisory tonight. Anyway, we, we, we've been talking about March at the beginning of every show, I feel, for the last seven months.
2: Well, since March, really. Since March. Uh, so what happens in October? Halloween.
1: Um, well, the latest thing has been Hacktoberfest. But um, there's there's been some some talk about Hacktoberfest as well. Okay,
0: so let's let's back up. What is Hacktoberfest? Who wants to describe it? The way I think about it is it's a kind of a a membership drive for open source software. You can kind of think of it for all those NPR fans out there.
2: I was thinking TPT. TPT
0: TPT. If that's your Hyper-local. if that's your preferred, uh, you know, that stands for Twin Cities Public Television. Yeah, it used to be called KTCA. Uh, fun fact for those of you. Uh like me, who are eighty years old, and remember that
2: or on one side of the river
0: or on one side of the river anywho basically it's a it's a it's a special drive for folks to contribute to open source software um contribute their code, their time, their documentation skills, and in the past it's you know basically what happen is you'd fill out i think it's five pull requests four and when they get merged, four it's four okay well. Uh, it's an off by one error. I'll, I'll allow it. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yours were zero indexed. That's all.
2: Totally. <laughs> oh, no. The fifth one's a stretch goal.
0: Oh, there you go. There you go. And then in return, you get a sticker, uh, some stickers, some t- sh- a t shirt, stuff like that. And we've done like Hacktoberfest events at JSMN before with varying degrees of success. But, you know, really the goal is to just get people engaged in maintaining and improving uh, open source software. Is that fair to say? I feel like that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, it's it's mostly put on by DigitalOcean with a few other um, co-sponsors. Um, DigitalOcean hosts the website for it, and it's really a big marketing event for them. I was seeing some tweets; someone was saying it's like it's you know it's marketing. They can't really do a lot of direct sales and things, but it hopefully breaks even at least a little bit for them. Clearly, it's the seventh year, so something's worked out. Uh, the numbers the last few years have really gone up over time. Anyway, the reason we're talking about it is because it is during the month of October, but there's been quite a lot of spam this year. As I understand it, there were a couple of YouTube videos that were really pushing for creating, I think in even some cases, when translated to English, it was something in like encouraging spamming pull requests so people could get the shirt. So DigitalOcean has released a an update yesterday, I think, that it is now, it has to be opt-in per repo versus opt-out. So for a pull request account, it needs to be on a repository that has added the Hacktoberfest topic to that repository. Now, I think this will definitely cut down on all the spam that's going on once people realize it. But in a, at the same time, I think the amount of meaningful contributions will drop as well because repos have to opt into it. So big popular projects that maybe were getting a lot of spam May not put that Hacktoberfest topic on anymore to try to get rid of the spam, but they may not get contributions as well. Now, you could argue that if you want to contribute, you should just do it anyway. You just shouldn't do it for the shirt, but it's it's nice when those both can align. But um, so that's kind of what's happened. And there's been a a Twitter account that uh, highlighted a bunch of this called Shittoberfest. And um, there's some quite a lot of screenshots and things in there, so... That might be worth taking a, a swing by and seeing what's happening too but
2: so have either of you ever actually participated in this thing I
1: did last year and the year before um, this is where I contributed to d3 time format is the most notable thing and I added a couple of docs to oh my Z shell documented a couple of their plugins that had no docs at the time so those are kind of the the biggest contributions I've done I think a few PRs against weatherbot uh, my Twitter bot as well as uh I I'm building a Secret Santa generator app right now, and that's one PR from, like, technically September 30th is counting as my first pull quest, but that might be where some more of mine this year are coming from, but... Which I feel a little guilty, about because it's my own repository, but... But you're following the spirit of it. Yeah, it's still open source. Now, I would be working on this anyway, so uh, I don't know you can judge the value there, but... So now it's it's opt-in and we'll see how that goes.
2: Yeah, I, I had done some reading on this too. Apparently you can also have them plant a tree instead of getting a shirt. Yeah, that's a nice touch.
1: I don't know. That might be new this year.
2: Um, I, I don't need any more junky t-shirts. I would much prefer to have another tree. And it's probably a lot cheaper for them to plant a tree
1: than make a shirt.
2: Yeah. So everybody should request a tree be planted instead. Way better. That makes a lot of sense.
1: So, the common pull request or issue name has been improved mm-hmm. docs. And so, there's kind of been some jokes around filtering out issues for improved docs. I think someone had some GitHub search results that's like 300,000 pull requests were called improved docs or had it in their name.
0: Yeah, I saw some that were definitely like, uh, Non-contribution contributions, stuff like changing the readme to say, here's how you contribute to this awesome project, as opposed to saying, here's how you contribute to this project. Yeah, that's useless. Just out of the word awesome.
1: Or or changing like CSS from... 92 pixels to 93 pixels. I'm seeing a screenshot uh, here. It's pretty oh ridiculous. Um, little things like that.
2: Um. So I I had also, I think when this, you know, kind of when the spam kind of happened, it also made it to the orange site. And, uh, you know, some people came up with some alternative ideas, like instead of in, instead of or in addition to, you know, having that opt in marker, you know, the topic, you know, you could have it so that only accounts that existed before, you know, some date are eligible. And or uh, only issues that existed before some date um, are eligible. And they actually have to be based on real issues and not just arbitrary PRs. Um, so like there there could be in the future many, uh, you know, different ways to participate, maybe different tiers of participation. So like if you make a, an arbitrary, useless PR, like, nope, doesn't count. Make a real issue.
1: Yeah, I would say it's, it's a fine line, though, because you want to encourage new people to get involved and and to get involved in not just open source in general, but in specific projects and things. And so...
2: Yeah, it is a fine line, as you say. And as we've said on the network here, we want pros, not bros. So uh, nobody nobody wants those.
1: Yeah. You don't want to like judge by lines of code changed, but I wonder if that that would at least get rid of some of this really low bar spam. But at the same time, if you require it to be a percentage of the file or, you know, at least 50 lines of code changed in a PR, then then you're just asking for crazy formatted code that is really a one-liner that's been stretched
2: well no you so what you do is you make a bot that just prettiers things that aren't prettiered already and that's the pr oh no
1: (laughs) run prettier oh no run prettier
2: um that's
1: perfect i
0: mean there's maybe some value in that yeah yeah there's, there's something to be said for a bot that will enforce prettier but i don't think that's a helpful thing for people like i know some people don't like prettier for some reason And those people are welcome to believe whatever they want, but
2: um, the prettier is the chosen one. So
0: yeah, I mean the thing is, I've just I've just fully given in because like you know whatever. And for those people, it's like yeah, I mean I'd love to take if somebody took something that's useful to them and otherwise isn't being maintained and ran prettier on it, I'd probably accept it if it was something that I made. I don't know, but the other side to it is most of the stuff I make nowadays I do set up prettier
2: right oh well okay so we're gonna run prettier 2 on all of the stuff there you go because that'll mess with it
0: Uh-oh.
1: every new version of prettier <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. prettier 2.1 changed a couple things around dynamic imports for me
2: oh no yeah so that that's a cool one um what else do we have here on the list brian all right the next up we have a link
1: to a blog post about eleventy that you found Ryan. yes um, on the mozilla hacks blog i believe it is a self self self-referential post
2: maybe maybe i i had never read this blog before in my life so that was interesting so i i don't know if i found this on the orange site if i just happened to stumble upon it uh with stumble upon hey i'm not sure if i use twitter or not i don't know something about a computer so what i thought was interesting here is they actually tried or looked at um you know different options so you know i think they were using jekyll for a long time here and you
1: know and we all know i love jekyll right
2: and so everybody's a big fan of jekyll and it's very ruby based and you know it's kind of the the front matter standard and that that's good and so as part of their you know alternative options list here they looked at um hugo which is written in go they looked at gatsby which is written in questionable javascript and they looked at something i don't know 11t and that was written in javascript and some of the things that they uh, wanted to move away from in jekyll were uh, they wanted better build performance so the builds could take up to 10 minutes which is pretty crazy now i don't know how many posts they have here on this blog and you know what the complexity level is but 10 minutes is a long time especially on a local build you know if that's if that's a server build maybe it's not so bad Local changes should be you know pretty fast, so you want local refresh um, JavaScript based, Um, and then that was actually my reason for moving away from Hugo. Even though it was super fast, it was really hard to extend because you can't. I mean, it's compiled already; you can't do anything. Um, And then the last one they had here is flexible enough to you know you know meet the demands of more futuristic documentation, Uh, and and I can totally see that. So they eventually made the decision. And what's the decision? Eleven T. Yay. Ow. Uh, and and they also like that it provided a a, a, a liquid JS component. I didn't know liquid JS
1: is a thing. That's kind of cool.
2: Yeah. So they can still use their old formatting system, which is nice. But it's actually not that simple. So they actually went through, um, you know, this pretty comprehensive uh, post here about how they actually made that migration. Sort of you know, in pieces with a lot of scripting and coding on the outside of the 11D portions. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, how, um, you know, Jekyll in the old days maybe uh, made some styles and some JavaScript components and how to actually get those to all work properly with regards to, like, caching and, uh, you know, updates and everything. Uh, it's just a cool read, and it's nice to see that there's... um non-hype tools being used out there. Yeah, I've been I've been watching Eleven
1: T for not not a year. I don't know, whenever I first heard about it, sometime in the last year though. I've been eyeing it for rewriting the JavaScriptmn.com website, which is on Gatsby, but it really doesn't need to be. It's like just a couple of pages. So I think it'd be perfect for something like this and a good reason to try something out. My own site runs in Jekyll and it's nice to to use it built into GitHub Pages because that's where it's hosted and things, and it auto-deploys. I don't have to check in the compiled versions of anything. However, my site does have some more complicated stuff. I have a Svelte component. I'm sprinkling of JavaScript here and there, so I already do have some, like, compiled steps that are outside of GitHub Pages mm-hmm. deploys. So in that sense, it would just be easier to have a single tool that does it. Like, I have a rake file that's in the Ruby Ruby world of, like, NPM scripts kind of a thing, how I understand it at least. I'm sure the Ruby Ruby developers are cringing right now. But um, so I have some stuff done through NPM scripts and some through uh, a Rake file. My like Travis CI build runs some weird stuff, but it would just be nice to consolidate it. Um, I'm definitely more into JavaScript now than I was when I started that site. So something like 11t would make sense, and I can keep one dependency on Node, and then I could just push a compiled site up to a github pages branch or something like that so i think eventually i'd like to do that i i do have quite a few things built out with liquid so having liquid js around is okay at the same time i feel like i would just rewrite everything or get rid of liquid stuff yeah. and um and run it in its own because i well li- liquid works i'm not like it's it's nice to have but it's not like i'm not super attached to it and in in all reality i would prefer just writing a little bit of javascript to do a lot of this stuff so Um, I think that's a lot more composable and GitHub pages is as well, uh, is limited to whatever set of plugins are in their GitHub pages gem. And so it's a good, good collection of default things, but there are, you know, any customization you can't really do, or you have to build your own weird liquid template that you're using liquid templates for writing code. And it's, uh, not elegant, to say the least. I believe it's like probably a Turing complete templating language, but that isn't how you want to be writing code if you can help it. Uh, it could be worse. True. So I'm I'm eyeing 11t to eventually rewrite my site, but stuff like this in this site is kind of the exact walkthrough that I would be interested in, where you have live reloading on changing anything and bundling and all that kind of stuff. So
2: yeah, for sure,
1: I will save this for later. That's for sure.
2: I I looked at 11 A last weekend uh just just for fun see see if um I should move over and I came to the conclusion it doesn't look like it's ready for me I really like using react and friends uh in my like for for everything if I can I guess and it doesn't seem like uh 11d has a jsx react flavored system yet so I guess I'll just keep waiting
1: yeah, MDX is um, something I'd be interested in looking at and M- MDX is like a markdown JSX mix kind of thing. Yeah. And so I think there are Gatsby plugins for it and some other stuff, but I don't know if it's in 11T. And so it's so you can ha- write markdown files but have some interaction in, inside, which is great for little mini widgets or code examples if you're writing about some code thing. Yep, for sure. So that's something I would definitely be interested in and even like weird temp- you know some custom templates that would be good for. I do have some stuff now that is I have, my site is a mix of Markdown files as well as HTML files. It'd be nice to move most of it over to just Markdown, but there's, there's some, you know, like my home homepage and stuff has more custom things. Right. So that's, that's clearly going to be HTML. Yep. Um, but I'm, you know, trying to have data files and things. Yeah. Switching from YAML to JSON. That's fine. It's probably better.
2: That'll be one transform. That'll be, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also have that same issue where like the fancy parts of my site aren't plain markdown and so then I need to have that in data and then have manipulables. So someday we'll see. Uh now speaking of this, this reminds me of the decision uh that I also saw on that orange website. And it was a decision from the W3C and the like design agency that they're working with to not choose WordPress. And I thought this was interesting because there's this um three-letter acronym it's all the rage these days what's it called it's the gatsby thing oh jamstack yeah jamstack that's what it's called it's so it's so futuristic that i can't even remember it people just want to spread the
0: jamstack over everything
2: uh like butter or right. something no, no
0: like jam like jam oh. that's the point On oh okay
2: toast. oh I, I get it like butter like jam um and and so I, I what's funny here is one of the reasons that this design team kind of chose not to use WordPress is because of Gutenberg, and uh, I know that many people here on this show don't do WordPress, and I, I agree with you. Uh, but the Gutenberg <laughs> is the new editor thing in WordPress. Is it that's the block thing, right? Yeah, it's the block thing, and and so the thing around the block thing is Gutenberg, uh, and it's um. Uh, apparently it's causing trouble and it's complicated and i haven't been wordpressing for many years now so i don't totally understand it either but basically they're saying well because you can you can block things and you use little widgets to build more stuff and because ex- even building those widgets on the back end like how do you inject code into react so that it can be you know extensible and like maybe wordpress totally hasn't figured that out yet so dangerously set inner HTML. I guess, or just find React in the window, and then just start telling it like, "Hey, have this extra part of the tree." That seems pretty spooky. It
1: adds a lot of extra dependency management, and right. makes it more complicated. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I, I you know it's it, this is also an interesting read, and it sort of goes the other way. So instead of relying on the tried and true backend technology framework thing like let's go and look at something else and so the, the w3c design team decision here was to go and use craft cms um, which i believe is built on top of symphony which is a well-known php backend. now it's funny that the w3c still is hanging on to something so legacy as php uh i'm totally joking php's great are you joking i can't tell <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's just uh it's, it's a funny thing like uh php is um still out there and still is fine but Man, WordPress does some weird stuff sometimes. So
0: hang on. Uh, so you said that they, I'm I'm just skimming this piece right here, which is really interesting because I have done some work with Craft and, believe it or not, WordPress and Drupal throughout my career. So the gist of this is they are picking Craft, you said?
2: Yes. Not WordPress. They're picking Craft. Interesting.
0: I can definitely understand that Craft is really, per- like, a lot of agencies and small shops really like Craft, uh, myself included. Um, I've been pretty happy with it when I've used it.
2: Yeah, I've I've looked at it too. Uh, it it seems real nice. The fact that I think it's Craft Three here that's based on um, Symphony, you know, Symphony um, gets you a lot of love because and a lot of capability because it's um, it's kind of like Spring but for PHP, and it gives you a lot of extension points and a lot of uh, developers and engineers who actually know how it works instead of you know something custom and home rolled. Interesting.
0: The only other thing I'll say about Craft. Well, actually it's less about craft and more about this relationship between this design firm and W3C. I think it's actually this is this is a really interesting model for things. I'm I'm wondering if for example this documentation was required as part of the contract and I find that really fascinating. Because I think that's really cool and that means that the W3C is probably a really interesting client. Maybe not necessarily a easy to work with client but definitely a very interesting client. I, I'm always interested in kind of the like, are you all familiar with the concept of like a musician's
2: writer? I don't watch TV.
0: Oh no, that's for like live, live events and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like basically, you know, the, I think this, there's like a really storied one where like, uh, I don't remember who it was, but some band was like, basically like, oh, if, uh, you know, I want only yellow Skittles and, or only yellow M&Ms. And if they showed up, to the To the place uh, where they were going to perform, to the venue, and there weren't, and there there weren't M Ms. The M Ms were not only the yellow ones, or some other thing indicated that that was wrong. They would take that as like a flag, a red flag, for like they didn't read the contract, basically, or they didn't they they didn't build things to spec. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's always interesting because on technical projects, I feel like sometimes there are things like that, not necessarily as gotchas but as like flags or checkpoints or things that really indicate the culture of the client and the mindset of the client that I think can make this really, really interesting. And I know that's not what this post is about, but it almost kind of is, right? Because, I mean, they, they talk about in this post a little bit about how, you know, like, hey, going with a closed source or even even an open source but proprietary
2: open source but licensable yeah
0: licensable that's that's a better phrase for it commercial but open source i i haven't read the orange website take on it but i'd be interested to see what people thought of that maybe i'll click that link after the show but
2: um in the sidebar there's also a an about um studio 24 section and so they they discuss like why the w3c is the client and who's a part of the team and you know some history and stuff
0: I do love this and I love agencies that do this kind of thing. I page through their book because I'm always really interested coming from an agency background about how they talk about themselves. And it seems like these folks do a lot of work for the UK government.
2: It does seem that way.
0: Which I know we have some things like that here in the US. Some companies that have sprung up particularly to provide services to, go- to government. And you know, there's also the US Digital Service. And um, yep. so I'm... Can't believe I'm blanking the name on it now, but there's a
2: unit
0: 18F. 18F, yeah, is another is a unit that works on projects probably not unlike this that are kind of for broader consumption uh throughout the federal government. And I find that kind of work really interesting, having not done any of it myself. I don't know. It's it's a really interesting confluence, and I'll be excited to see where this goes.
1: The blog post where they decide not choosing
0: WordPress looks quite nice. Like the
1: the theme of the website looks a lot more modern than a lot of the W3C stuff that's out there.
0: I have to wonder if that's not also hosted on the craft site. Like that this is them, you know, for lack of a better phrase, dog fooding What that site's going to end up looking like. Because this is a very W3C template. I feel like this structure is a very W3C yeah. structure.
2: So if you if you open the source and the page, you'll see like a Netlify comment at the very bottom. Yeah. And it's like, if window, Netlify identity, blah, 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 blah. So, I don't know
0: yeah this is this is netlify, you're right, you're right, but i mean yeah it's it's Jekyll, there's a generator meta tag in there, it's Jekyll,
2: yay, oh, <laughs> love it, Full all the way down when we crack the code, uh, so I'll say one more thing about this, um, so way back in the day when i when I did a lot of mutual stuff, one of the people on the MoodTools team they actually they're a little you know it kind of like freelance Italian agency, like you know super tiny, like two or three people. They got the W three, like contract, I guess, to do to to rebuild a modern HTML validator, like tool site. Yeah. So remember when everybody actually used to validate their HTML for compliance? Throwback. The Mo Tools team built that.
0: Hmm. Very cool. Too fun. Ah,
2: the days of valid HTML. I don't even know what those days are like, but you know what? I do like to have valid these days. Yeah. I like to have valid types in my TypeScript. Makes sense. Also, for for the audience out there, they call that a segue. Oh. Um. Uh, They they don't make those anymore. They don't make segues anymore. They don't make those anymore because they they would always just tip over. Uh Uh-oh. So this is a little extension here I have in the show notes. So the extension is supposed to be called TypeScript explicit types, but I don't think that does it justice. What it's really doing here is that it's a plugin for VS Code that lets you generate types that presumably are there already, but aren't. Uh, explicitly there they're inferred and so this is a kind of explicit type inserter from that inference now why is this super cool well i don't know if you've been using typescript but there are many places that could be you know less ambiguous by actually having an explicit type that might be a return statement that might be an actual variable It, it could um you know usually you want to have them in arguments so that you can actually do like you know completion and stuff and you usually want them in return types you can do completion and stuff you don't always need them internally so like it, it can be some extra noise so sometimes relying on you know inference is valuable but having to type out promise Whatever one billion times in my back end isn't just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, promise some, some object flavor here, promise some object flavor there. Just letting inference take care of it would be fine, except I have ESLint turned on that tells me that I should have explicit types. Mm-hmm. So this generates them for me. So it's a cool little extension. Uh I think he posted the guy here, Nick Vov. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that Ellis silent. Uh the guy um posted it on reddit i think so a different orange site maybe the red site well it's it's orange for me for some reason like i don't know if it's the skin i have turned on or not
0: yeah color temperature it's a color temperature thing
2: yeah so uh incidentally i think last week is when i found this and i uh updated something here uh, and I and I was tinkering with it, and I guess I didn't confirm that it fixed. And uh, I should probably go and reply to that issue. But it's a cool little toy, cool little uh, you know extension. Uh, can anybody on this chat with me identify uh, an issue with this tool? If it finds incorrect types,
1: uh, or you change the type of something and then you have to update it everywhere.
2: Uh I mean that's that's not bad that's kind of what typescript's point is and sure. No a problem with this tool is that it really should be in the typescript engine of ESLint or whatever mm. like it should be something that the little fix me pop up says like hey just fix me I don't know how to do that I I suggested to Nick that it it could either be a part of the uh, VS Code core because it seems like an obvious feature for the you know typescript engine and or just part of ESLint. yeah,
1: it definitely seems like something you could build in it like it it should be a first class thing yeah, it's just cool, yeah, I'm curious now if if webstorm's typescript uh stuff does this I'm not sure yeah
2: i I don't know i I only use one editor unfortunately, so i i I think it's very valuable and
1: it's webstorm
2: <laughs> it's not webstorm, I don't use that <laughs> one <laughs> uh so i I did try it with NestJS. and I don't know if you guys have looked at nest. Not uh, next. It has all those uh, crazy annotations, and um, when I was using this last week, it, it's been updated quite a few times since then. Uh, it, it was kind of going a little bit crazy with all the annotations, so watch out for that if you try it.
1: I'll just make one, one more comment here. It sounds like your ESLint config is is making opinions about your code. I've I've been very much pushing f- or trying to keep with just the react app preset for eslint which is only going to warn you or tell you anything about things that are related to potential bugs or accessibility concerns.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't um I don't tinker with anything in the eslint uh, create react app setup. Uh my reference points are entirely from the nest backend perspective. Um the nest, you know, generator Will generate some opinions because they're okay, crazy. Okay, so it's crazy.
1: ESLint config coming from that.
2: Yeah. Okay. And it's totally default. I could turn it off, but I. It might be right. It might be nice to actually have real types. Yeah. Well,
1: the last thing you would want is for it to somehow f- flow through and then oh this uh this thing, this like endpoint or whatever you're re- writing returns any like that would be the the worst case. You well, it's
2: funny though because endpoints in. You know, endpoints re- effectively do return any because the client doesn't care what it returns. Like, it, it's going to get cast to JSON and then you'll you'll see what it is. Like, it doesn't matter. It, it may as well be um, returning void because under the hood, it's um, express and like rest.send. Yeah. Yeah. What
1: type do you use for JSON serializable stuff? Because I've seen a couple different, in like every framework I use or whatever has a slightly different type for it. I've been, I recently copied whatever from puppeteer types because it's basically a JSON thing typed out is a, an object that has any property that is a string yeah. that has the value of the same interface that you're currently defining. So a recursive interface or what? Boolean number string null. Symbol, maybe? No, not, no, symbol. not symbol. Symbol is not JSON serializable
2: yeah so I uh I typically don't do that because uh internally it doesn't care nest doesn't care yeah you think you think typescript would actually just have that type pre-built by now yeah
1: i, I would I would feel like they they should like the omit helper that was added in typescript 3 point3 or 3.4 oh
2: I there are so many like all of those very useful helpers like I can't believe it took so long yeah uh those helpers are in fact one of the reasons I argue for keeping things in JavaScript typescript land because those things are so much more descriptive than their um, counterparts in um, Java and, and, and friends. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Because like only in a dynamic language, like TypeScript, can you really do these like dynamic types that like depend on each other in, in, in in, like negative, you know, subtractive ways. And
2: well, I mean, you could do it in the Haskells and the, and the S uh, the MLs, but you couldn't do it in Java because it's TypeScript uh, isn't rich enough.
0: Yeah. Well, we we love TypeScript here. This is very true. I think that might mean it's time for a new Twitter followees. And I'll start.
2: I believe it is time.
0: I'll start because I don't actually have any new Twitter followees to share. I have followed some people, but not many of them have anything to do with tech. And I think I've done quite a few followees in a row where I've just shared people that have nothing to do with the content of this podcast. So I figure this time I may as well stay... Uh, stay out of it um because you all actually have a lot of cool people to share to some of them IRL friends some of them friends from around the internet but all of them very cool people um so I'll just turn it over to you guys who did you follow this month Brian
1: Well I was going to say I think even though you don't have anyone on here I feel like you have the
0: most thoughts about who we followed <laughs> This is true I I have I have I have a lot of uh respect for all these people that are on your lists so This segment is really just
1: um impress Brandon
2: well we call it new twitter followees but it's really following people that Brandon already follows followees Uh, exactly
0: yeah people Brandon introduced you to in the past month or so pretty much (laughs) or
1: it's people that Brandon has followed on Twitter for years and we're just like discovering it on our own like most (laughs) most people I follow it's like oh Brandon already follows this
2: so maybe what we should do Brian is we should just set our timelines to Brandon's account terrifying 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 terrifying.us
1: terrifying. yeah the there you go
2: <sighs> anyway um
1: let's i'll start here um first up i have is aj he's uh an engineer at serverless like the the actual framework uh let's see he he chimed in and demoed a couple of things at javascript minnesota last week uh i've seen him give a talk at NodeMan and some other places and i think brandon knows him personally in some sense so
0: that's cool. Can I give another sh- an extended shout out to AJ? I'm basically going to give an extended shout out to each of these people that you that you all have in lieu of having actual followees myself. Um so yeah, AJ's been the real MVP of finding speakers for Serverless MN. Um he was uh, he's he's been a meetup organizer himself and I believe it's not going out on a whim to say even though he doesn't show up on the meetup.com page, um he is a organizer Uh, of serverless mn as well if not literally listed on meetup uh i i think even i both feel that he continues to show up for that organization we really appreciate that and also aj is just like the coolest um like sweetest nicest human fellow former northeast minneapolis resident yeah aj thumbs up he's also my new twitter followy
2: Nice. i i've talked to him twice i think at serverless mn and super nice guy yeah
1: um let's see. So next up I have is Erin Fox. I've seen her show up in my feed a few times over the last, I don't know, year or two or something. Uh she's a software engineer at ConvertKit, like JavaScript React Native stuff, I think. React stuff. Um
2: So yeah. Always good.
1: Always good. If I start seeing people retweeted a lot in my timeline, there's a good chance I'm going to follow them unless they tweet at really high volumes. <laughs> so there are a few people I'm like I always look out for their tweets. Because they're only retweeted, but I'm not going to follow them personally because I just can't. I just don't want all that all that flow. Makes so.
0: sense. Uh, Aaron works with local um, tech community. Awesome person, Janessa White. Uh not kit. both. Very awesome humans.
1: Um, and finally is Jen Schiffer, and Brandon. Let
0: you just talk because
1: <laughs> maybe was this in last episode? I don't remember. Yeah, that's what okay. was. Was this
0: Jen Shiffer? Okay, well,
1: I followed her, so hooray. Jen
0: Schiffer is the only real web developer, as we learned at um, Deconstruct. 2017 2018 a true icon of the internet um the one and only uh works at glitch super cool human being has all of the best tweets
2: so the way i know jen is uh brandon quote which is what do they say about blogging brandon oh yeah never blog never tweet that's that's uh that's words to live by wonderful words (laughs) just i don't i don't know where the words were originally but i just love the words because i i agree never blog
0: it's it's a it's a very very old tweet i believe never blog never tweet don't do it uh i think coding coding is a highway is another good one that i reference often because it's true coding is a highway programming is a highway and every day is a winding road
2: references um so I guess it's my turn now. I uh followed a few people who are um classics. Uh one of those people is Joe Carlson. Hey, I know Joe. Everybody everybody knows Joe. Uh he's at Mongo right now, but he's been elsewhere before. I think he's even been to JavaScript Minnesota on occasion. Mm-hmm. Now a funny thing, the reason I followed Joe is because he followed me and I thought, well that's weird. I mean, why did he just follow me out of the blue? I didn't TikTok today. <laughs> um and and so it turns out uh, because I have TweetDeck, I can actually see the activity that other people I am following are doing. And so I think what he was doing is he was just following everybody in Brandon's timeline.
1: <laughs> that seems pretty accurate. Oh. I think there's a high crossover between Brandon's timeline and, and Joe's timeline. Maybe I, yes.
2: I mean he followed like sixty people that day, and it was insane. So. Oh
1: wow! I I did not realize how many followers Joe has on on Twitter now. He 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 really took um being a developer advocate at MongoDB as well as as TikTok and kind of has exploded in growth because of that. But I think being a developer advocate you're going to get a lot of followers anyway because that's kind of your job is to put out content. Yeah. Good content regularly and um and then when you have a company behind you kind of backing you up it legitimizes it as well. So.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and uh you know it, it's cool cuz I think he's actually really good at that role and um So I think this is a good place for him. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, he he has a very particular take on developer advocacy that I think has made him quite, quite successful. And definitely, like, he's one of a very small number of people who on... um, I'm going to be right back. I'll let you guys go through this. Hi, Tessa. I'll let you guys go through this and um, mute my mic. Um,
2: Bye, dog. (laughs) Uh, So the next person I followed is Nader Dabbit now it's interesting because i thought i followed him already and apparently i didn't um and then i have one more uh i don't know who this person is but they followed me so it's it's jesse or something they 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 are an engineer and they they do design work and stuff and it looks like uh
1: Brandon follows him as well, so I'm sure he he knows about him. So
2: yeah, I just I just saw a a CC at Brandon MN, so you know it's all they're they're all connected, Brian.
1: Just like just like this podcast existed because Brandon just started tweeting at us,
2: yeah, out of the blue,
1: we didn't know who he was, and then all of a sudden he's in our mentions all the time.
2: I still don't know who he is really. Uh, so Brian, in our last 30 seconds or so, um, what are you doing next week
1: or month? Oh no, um. I I don't know. I'll be watching some more TV. I've been watching Star Trek Lower Decks. It's an amazing show. I've been loving it. It's an animated Star Trek show, which is the first since the original series had an animated Star Trek show. It's quite funny. So I'll be watching more of that. Is that airs? What else am I doing in the next while i'm getting bindings on skis right now so i'm anticipating winter
2: yeah it's coming up
1: i i will still be working i will be doing hacktoberfest stuff i'll be keep working on my secret santa generator which you can find at github.com slash brian mitchell slash secret dash santa if you want to get involved and contribute or, or use it which is also brian me slash secret dash santa
2: did you get like at secret santa on npm
1: no so this is this is the the website which is not oh, okay. deployed to npm just checking it's using my um library called gift dash exchange and that is released on npm so that's where all the uh, matching algorithm is implemented and then the secret santa is just a uh, front end on top of it so
2: cool yeah i i don't have any specific plans here for october either uh it is it is as you mentioned getting cooler all the leaves have changed People at the beginning of the season thought, wow, we're going to have such a warm fall. And I I don't know about that. It seems pretty chilly already. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Nothing too exciting coming up here for me. Just doing work.
1: It's all we can do these days.
2: Yeah.
0: Brandon is back from dog duty. So, hey. so where can we find you, uh, Brandon? You can find me all sorts of places, but predominantly on Twitter, where I'm Brandon underscore MN. Or on Instagram, where I have that same username. And probably some other places, but mostly, uh, in and around Northeast Minneapolis, where I'm going on as many walks as possible to beat Brian in the weekly activity challenge on, I'm still walking today with varying degrees of success. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could stay home. Like just saying, that's another (laughs) opportunity. I feel like you've earned a break. I, I wish,
1: uh, I've. Failed my move goal by 25 calories or less two days in a row, which just
0: hurts. Hey, well, you know, I sat on the couch too long. Now you've got a tradition going. Uh, you could fail it by like, (laughs) I don't know, a couple hundred if you want. Oof, just saying. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna go on like a half hour walk. So, I, you know, I relish the like two hours where I was like two to three activity points ahead of you. Yeah, we were neck and neck earlier today. I, I go for a long run every day, every Saturday. Um, so long is relative of course but i go for a run every day on every every saturday and so that's always my like all right i might be able to come back from this from my 300 point debt that i've accrued over the course of the past week maybe maybe next week
1: you did beat me last week the week before
0: so i felt really good. good about that i felt really good about that
1: even though i lost i was very proud of you so Congratulations officially on Podkit! Congratulations to Brandon. Thanks, Bud. Uh, congratulations on your fifty-one victories against me. <laughs> hey, Ryan, when are you getting an Apple Watch so you can join in on this fun? Uh,
2: well, uh, approximately in um, twenty twenty-one when the iPhone thirteen comes out oh, in wow. thirteen months.
1: There's no way they're gonna call it the thirteen. There's no way they're gonna. It's always the next year's iPhone, Ryan.
2: Well, I keep waiting for the legendary Type C and and a good iPhone. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well,
1: where can we find you, Ryan?
2: Oh, well, you can find me just about everywhere, but especially on my website, RyanMR.com. It's true. It is one of my websites.
1: (laughs) Uh, Pointed to Google, as we discussed last episode.
2: Yep. You got it. And of course, you can find me on uh, uh, com, which is the real website and on Twitter at RyanMN. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. (laughs) RyanMN. It's just like everybody else here on this show it ends in mn Very That
0: nice.
1: would be Ryan mr You should get Ryan mn now. and just just have it uh be a, a the description of the Twitter account just points to Brandon.
2: <laughs> Perfect. I mean that's really all I follow now. Brian uh wow I I said Brian. <laughs> I mean
1: Brandon is is Twitter. He's just he's just is our Twitter. Yep. Uh let's see. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com/ Brian Mitchell. You can also find my website, Brianm.me. Um, on there is like every other site where I have links, notably like GitHub or Instagram or I think Snapchat, but who uses that anymore? I certainly don't. So yeah, that's that's me. Let's see. Well, this has been PodKit episode 61. You can find the show notes for this episode at thenexus.tv/slash pk61. Uh, you can discuss this on our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash the TV. Also our Twitter, which is twitter.com slash the TV. And if you like what we're doing, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Nexus TV. How do we end the show now? See you, you next night, time everybody. <laughs> Have a good one. Yeah, see you next time. Have Bye-bye. a good one.
0: Have a good one.
1: Oh my god, it's gonna be a pain in the butt to edit. Whatever.
0: Have, have a good one. Uh, feel free to end it without me. I have to make
2: The Nexus. The Nexus. The Nexus TV. Podcasts from, from the, the Technological, technological Convergence. convergence.